One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. On DAB Digital Radio, online and via the TalkSport app. Talk wrestling on TalkSport 2. Hello and welcome to the Talk Wrestling Podcast on your Fight Night feed from Talk Sports. Will Gavin, Talk Sports Wrestling's are Alex McCarthy alongside me. And there's a little bit to talk about from the world of wrestling this week. And not only that, but the Ayatollah of rock and roll. I know he's had about 75 million nicknames since then, he's but it's still my favourite. It's still my favourite. Chris Jericho will be joining the show for a full half hour as well on top of that. We're going to talk Vinnie Mac. We're going to talk Sasha Banks. We'll get into all of it on Talk Wrestling here with Talk Sports. Yeah, welcome to Talk Wrestling on your Fight Night feed. Don't forget, as always, rate, review, like, subscribe, all of that good stuff. It does help more people find the show. And uh, hopefully, in the not-too-distant, we're going to be making some exciting, announcement-y, newsy stuff. And so if you are... Uh, you know, subscribed and liking and doing all that stuff, following AMAC on Twitter in particular, then you'll be the first to find out about that. And trust me, one of the things we're announcing, it's got a little bit of a limited run to the number of people that can be involved. So you want to be involved as early as possible. Tease. I'm trying. I'm trying to tease it without <laughs> teasing it. Am I, am I failing miserably? Because yeah. it feels like I am a little bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> AMAC, how are you, sir? I'm good, brother. I'm good. What a Monday. Um, but... My lord, there's been some news for us to discuss, man. And, you know, like, we're going to be so tight today with discussing news and the Chris Jericho interview, the great interview that we've got. We're barely going to be able to get into how great, like, Dax Harwood and Will Ospreay were on Dynamite and some of the great action we saw. Like, I thought Road Rager was great, man. Um, Just, you know, we can't really even delve too much into that. There was Slammiversary at the weekend. AJ Styles even popping back for a little... I loved AJ Styles' video video message. Even if he did do a little, like, and I'd like to thank WWE for allowing me to do this. Did he? Yeah, he he did. Yeah, he did. Come on. Uh, (laughs) uh, I'd like to thank Vince McMahon personally for allowing me to (laughs) come but I love that you referenced the, the triple threat match. Uh, I actually, I, I caught this Monday morning, we're recording this, I caught a little bit of Slammiversary this morning, kind of dipped into some of the highlights, and it was pretty, pretty tasty. Pretty tasty. Yeah, I haven't had the chance to watch it yet. I've, I've read the results, as I like to do when I'm on the train on the way in, um, so I shan't spoil for those who haven't seen. But, uh, man, like I said, it was a good week of wrestling for me. Uh, Dynamite just continues to be the best show around uh, at the moment in wrestling, but I digress. GCW as well, I believe, had Nick Wayne and Will Ospreay that I want to see. That that looks like a match I would really like to see, but yeah, man, plenty for us to get into. How are you feeling about uh, Forbidden Door this weekend and Drade coming out and saying that he was meant to face Will Ospreay? And now, Mm. I mean, I, you know, I am an Orange Cassidy stan in the biggest way possible. But I think if you're finally bringing Osprey onto a major US promotion, and after everything that happened during the pandemic, and you're finally giving him that push, and you know, getting an opportunity to show off in front of the world, I don't know if Orange Cassidy feels like the right opponent for Look, that. I had the, the my initial reaction was exactly the same as yours. The more I thought about it, well, I enjoyed the hell out of Pack. And Orange Cassidy. Yeah, that's um, true. A few years ago. So I'm not going to... Like, people shouldn't sleep on the idea that Orange Cassidy can have a banger with Will Ospreay. He absolutely can. It's just that 
you know, it's, it's a bit like, <laughs> totally different, but a bit like... <laughs> it's a bit like, yeah, but not really like <laughs> But not really like it. When Hogan came back to WWE and everyone was like, well, you've got to put him with Austin, you've got to put him with these people, right? And they never got round to it, right? And you think, well, how did, how did that happen? And that's the same with Osprey, where you want to get him into the biggest matches you want to see straight away. But I guess, and this is a guess, that they have more dates with Will Ospreay down the road and they've got bigger plans and more things for him to do because if you did only have one shot with him, I agree that probably Orange Cassidy isn't the guy, but at the same time, I do think they're going to have a banger. I really do. I'm full of belief having watched Pack and and Cassidy go at it a few years ago, but... Uh, again, without you know Tony Khan, how meticulous he is with his plans at the top and all of that, Will, and even though injuries have mucked that all around, where could he have crowbarred him in? Who would you have seen him go against, I guess? I, I don't know, yeah. That's a fair point, but I do feel like, well, you've got this uh, All-Atlantic Championship, <laughs> another belt for AEW. Yeah. Surprised it's not just a full-on tournament, but, uh, <laughs> you, you know... I'm surprised Tony didn't book a tournament to replace Vince as chairman. <laughs> <laughs> but I would I would slot him in with Pac and Miro in that quite happily. Yeah. Have him involved in on that side of things. Outside of that, Moxley, Tanahashi, Ace oh, in the God. ring. I mean, we know which way it's going because they're not going to put, put a belt on Tanahashi, are they? On, no, but even so... It'd be funny if they do now. <laughs> after you and me <laughs> smarmily went, well, they're not going to do it, are they? Well, But I was, I was kind of stunned that when looking back on Moxley's time in New Japan, that actually only ever did multi-man matches with Tanahashi. Actually never mm. was in a, a singles match with him, considering he faced basically everyone else during that run. So I, I, I'm loving... You know, I was a, unsurprisingly, as a New Japan guy, I'm very excited about this, but I think most of the matches lined up are absolutely brilliant. I just thought that could have been... thought Osprey could have had someone less gimmicky and more straight up. But Well, I mean, it, it, here's, an, here's an option, right? They've got this hangman... Uh, Adam Cole and uh, Jay White three-way. We could have just taken one person out of that yeah, and had Will Ospreay, you know, as a singles. But uh, you got to remember, Tony Khan sees Orange Cassidy as a as a big draw in the company. I think the, he said this before, that the ratings and where he positions him on the show normally always does well. So in his mind, you know, Orange mm. Cassidy, big player... I mean, Will Ospreay's coming I, I, to town? I love him. I just, you know... I know, I'm the same as you. If you're going to only have a feature match, then you've got to make sure that it bangs as big as possible. Uh, let's talk about the big WWE news. We have got Chris Jericho coming up on the show shortly. Uh, really two big bits of news from WWE outside of, you know, Brock Roman 74 happening oh. at SummerSlam. And uh, are they running out of ideas? Should Roman drop one of those belts? Absolutely. Get on with it. Yeah. I don't know how he does it, but just do it. Just get rid of one of them. Just uh. Anyway, there's a whole other gripe. Vinnie Mac voluntarily steps back from WWE role as the board investigate this alleged misconduct. Stephanie McMahon stepping in as interim CEO and interim chairwoman. Um, but... He's still going to be on in control on the creative mm. side. He still comes on SmackDown on Friday. Yeah. Doesn't really do very much while he's there, but he's always happy to get a ratings pop to have his name attached to it. Uh, you know what's funny about that is that the Roman match actually did a bigger rating. Did it? Than Vince's Love that. Uh, interview. So there you go. Needle mover. But yeah, I mean, as you say, let's give some context to the people listening about what's going on with Vince McMahon. <laughs> Uh, the you're right there, mate. The uh, I did turn off my mic for it, but it's not a very big studio, so people probably still heard me hacking my lungs. I heard Sorry. it in my headphones. It's great. Um, so the Wall Street Journal published a report that uh, Vince McMahon had essentially been having an affair with somebody who worked in the WWE offices, uh, allegedly, I should say. Um, and then there are there's some stuff in between that we'll get to in a minute, but the main thing is that he ended up paying her three million dollars. To, you know, when she departed the company to keep everything quiet, NDA. Um, within that, though, there is, you know, allegations like he passed her like a toy, uh, in quotations, to John Laurinaitis, uh, who also is said to have had relations with her. So these are the two men that are of the subject of the investigation. So there's a special committee that's been put together from the board to investigate Vince uh, on this claim. And, you know, another part of it would be 
she was on a hundred thousand dollars at one point. This uh, this lady in question, and then during their relationship, Vince bumped her up to two hundred thousand. So, I think, uh, and and this is just reading what a lot of other people have said, and you know, uh, there's a lot of different things, right? The boss employee power dynamic of a relationship is one thing. You know, I'm not sure Vince has done anything illegal, although you know, morally, everyone would have something to say. Um, but it's the company funds part of it, right? Was it all his own money to pay her off? Okay. Um, but the bumping up her salary and stuff like that, um, I, th- I just think there's going to be a wide range of investigation into Vince's actions and how the company relates to that. Um, and he's had to step down as part of that. Now, voluntarily is very clear in the wording. Vince stepping back and saying that he's going to help with the investigation while Stephanie steps into the breach. Um, but really, it's all for show. He is running the company, isn't he? Let's be honest. He's still in charge of creative. He's still running the shows, as the fans would see. Um, I don't think, honestly, a lot has changed. Yeah, I f- from my perspective, you say like he's not necessarily done anything illegal, and yeah, you know, we. Don't- well, I don't know that. Yeah. I'm just you know I don't know the details. I'm just yeah. saying from what we know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you know that that dynamic, we have no idea what the power dynamic was in that situation, and. You know, too often when you hear these stories, people dis- do dismiss those things out of hand, forgetting the fact that you know, if Vince McMahon is the one propositioning you, then that ha- comes with a certain number of pressures, and that comes with, uh, yeah. My bigger problem is this: we've put together a special committee of part of the board, and you see this too often in not just the world of entertainment, the world of sports, the world of where it's allowed to self-govern and it's Mm -hmm. yeah we're going to investigate our own chairman owner guy who runs all the creative yeah we will probably use our own people to do that not bring in outside people i just it kind of stinks a little bit of Mm. rich corporate america being able to completely control itself and it does leave a sour taste in the mouth regardless of the fact that yeah, uh, he's essentially staying in the job that none of us hugely want him in anymore anyway. No, no. And I think uh, the other thing is, always, I don't know if, if many people were shocked, which is kind of staggering. Like, I think a lot of people understand Vince has a lot of uh, skeletons in the closet, which, again, is quite sad. Uh, and it's when, terrifying when to think broke. that this is the kind of thing that wouldn't even have been news 20 years ago, yeah. certainly 30 years ago. Yeah. Like, at least it's kind of... At least it's out there and making headlines and people are admonishing it, even if it's not going to actually affect his wealth, standing, yeah. job, or anything in, in real terms. I mean, it's worth saying that in within the statement, they say the independent directors of the board engaged independent legal counsel to assist them with an independent review. So... Uh, to assist them again i I have to say having been on this with uh my nfl beat and everything that happens with there the the word independent never feels really all that independent (laughs) when the people who have appointed the independent person and let's be honest politics in this country is just as bad for it yes we're going to appoint an independent person to investigate these illegal parties what's that They've been accused of attending the parties and they're running our investigation. Yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about it, mate. And this is also the WWE that investigated Velveteen Dream, Riddle Mm -hmm. and many others and they just went, I couldn't find anything. So, again, far be it from me to uh, dispute findings with no evidence myself or anything like that. But still, the company tends to favour how they want to favour. I don't know how they'll wriggle this one, but, I mean, again, I, I have no idea of the finer details other than what the Wall Street Journal has disclosed to us and has been reported elsewhere. Um, But there's just a stinky feeling in my gut that Vince is going to uh, wriggle his way out of this one. What is the latest on the WWE front with Sasha Banks? With... Well, this is a complex this, one. It's the, other, it's the other ugly situation with WWE. We're going, <laughs> we're going ugly a little bit yeah, today. Yeah. But there are reasons for yeah, it. Yeah, they're not fun to discuss, are they? But you need to, unfortunately. I mean, with Sasha, we all know, we all remember back in May, her and Naomi decided to walk out of Raw, uh, as or just before it started, I believe. Uh, and as a result, WWE really hung them out to dry, um, suspended them indefinitely without pay. Uh, and then the reports made around last week from Raj Geary of Wrestling Inc., 
that Sasha had indeed been released from the company. Now, Sean Rostap started working feverishly to try and get the details on this and get some clarity, but he found it very difficult. All that Sean did come back uh, to Fightful Select and say was that there are some wrestlers, high-level ones, that are of the belief that she is done with the company, but officials wouldn't confirm as much. She's still on the roster page. WWE hasn't announced nothing, nor has Sasha. It's very murky, man. Like, There's a lot of people that are operating under the guise that she is gone on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, you know, from fans to high-level people. Raj, I saw, took a bit of a victory lap the other day, like, ah, haters, uh, you were wrong, I was right. But again, we still haven't had the ultimate confirmation yet. Um, and I, I don't know either. Um, but it, it would take... Not not that she couldn't come back, right? I mean, she's only 30 anyway. She could do whatever she wants, really. The world's her oyster. Hollywood, AEW, whatever she wants to do. Um, But this situation does seem untenable. You can't just have someone like her sitting on the sidelines. And anyway, if if, um, the former WWE writer is to be believed, they only had a couple of months left on their deals anyway. So I'm not sure why they'd need to re- negotiate a release per se. You, you know better than anyone, Al. That yeah, the the when we hear the inside stories and you get it from multiple sources, that they tend to be pretty accurate. Yeah, and the first thing no to, smoke about fire. Yeah, the probably. first thing to say is that the fact that they went to bat for the women's tag titles, that they turned around and said, so you're going to have us not defend them on, was it three straight pay-per-views, and instead they were going to split them and have them each go for one of the women's titles, neither of them winning them yet, both of them losing. Yeah, it shows, first of all, just a complete lack of depth in your women's division, which, with the when you consider the number of people that have been released over the last two years, Staggering. could be the strongest in the world, and could be not just strongest in the world, but strongest division all round. There were times when it was and did feel like that. And so I completely and utterly defend their decision to turn around and and fight for what they believe in from a creative perspective. It's kind of astonishing that in times gone by... And maybe there will be people who disagree with this sentiment, but if a major male star the size of Sasha Banks, who has held the world title as many times they had, goes into Vinnie Mac's office or whoever else's office and says, no, this is bull, I'm not doing it like this, what are we doing? This has to be sorted. I feel like they might have got a better response than just, you're off the show and you're released six weeks later and however else it's looked. But regardless... You've lost one of the most talented female wrestlers in the world, one of the most talented wrestlers in the world, and without ever actually doing some of the stuff that seemed to have been bloody obvious to have done with them for a very long oh, time. God. We never saw the four horsewomen all in a ring together going for a title. That is astonishing. Criminal. That is genuinely astonishing that that just books itself and we never saw that fatal four way. You know what, though? I, you know, the point you made about males, I guess the outlier to that is Steve Austin. Slightly different. He was kind of coming off the rails at this point in 2002. Um, you know, he was unhappy and they wanted him to... I still think Steve Austin was kind of right in that scenario, by the way. Uh, giving away him and Brock Lesnar on free TV was pretty stupid, but I guess you know he's paid to do a job, right? This is the, this is the balance, the trade-off. Those who work in WWE know how it works, yeah. right? No, Nobody is fooling themselves, no. as we've just discussed for the last 10 minutes, uh, about their corporate structure. Yeah. Everybody knows. Exactly. That- and, and that's what I'm saying. When it comes to the talent, like, you know, you've read or listened to John Moxley talk ad nauseum about what it's like in that company, and there are some talent it's not made for, man. Like, that... that it's not a democracy. <laughs> like, no. like, they make it feel like it is. Oh, give us your input and, yeah, you know, creative ideas. But at the end of the day, Vince McMahon will do what Vince McMahon wants to do. Much to the chagrin of dozens of writers and other high-ranking personnel, it doesn't matter. It's what Vince wants at the end of the day. I'm not saying that's right. I would hate to work in that kind of, I'm not going to call it tyranny, but creative tyranny, perhaps. Uh, and and I, can, I can absolutely understand why somebody as ultra-talented as Sasha Banks, and indeed Naomi, would be frustrated within that scenario, especially when Sasha Banks was given all these promises, probably, to, to, to become... I know probably is a frivolent word to use there, but uh, it's been reported that to put the 
tag team titles on them to get them in that pitch at WrestleMania that they were given certain promises and they feel like those are broken. And you'd have to think they were when you look at Sasha Banks not having a big singles match at WrestleMania. Isn't that a waste? Yeah. You could argue she is the greatest female wrestler in WWE history. You could make that argument. Her catalogue of matches are pretty much unrivaled. Right, the, the WrestleMania with Bianca Belair, the series with Bailey going for NXT Takeover, uh, Brooklyn, even to their head and in the, the cell. cell. Yeah, right, the... Like, her top five would be really, really hard for you to make a case for someone else's top five. And, and I think there you're ignoring the runner matches where the title kept moving between her and Charlotte. Becky and Charlotte yeah. when they had that run. There was the there was I remember there being a, a raw where they had just a no holds bar or a, a false count anywhere that was up with there with Charlotte. All the, yeah, yeah. which was one of the best women's matches I'd ever seen yeah. at that point. Thanks, and it was just a, and all that oh, stuff. Yeah, unreal. Unreal. Yeah. I mean it's 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 a, it's a damn shame honestly if they let her go. It really is. But I, I I must agree I'm not sure she's been used quite to the I, I don't know. I don't want to say they don't appreciate what star they have, but I don't know if she has been used. Nobody's it, bigger than the company, though, are they? No, no, this is true, uh, and that's the problem. But I, I guess for those listening, wanting clarity, it's very hard. That no, there hasn't been confirmation from the talent or the company. And until that really happens, it's very hard to say. The last word we had from Sean Ross Sapp on it was essentially saying, people are saying she's gone, but the company aren't. Right, let's uh, let's go from someone who did manage to find a creative niche in the world of WWE sure and actually did. managed to, you know, many times over the years win those battles uh, with Vinnie Mac and get the push that he wanted and now is doing wonderful work uh, in AEW. Would you like to run through the gamut of nicknames? or <laughs> what's, oh, what's he on God. to promote? What's he on to talk about? Come on. Well, today, yeah. well, so he's going to be... In the UK in July. He's going to be doing a spoken tour of Inside the Ropes. He's going to be in London on July 6th, which I'm going to attend myself. Uh, He's going to be in Belfast and Glasgow before that. So that's what we wanted to talk about. I know Fozzie are coming to the UK later this year. It's a bit of a hotbed for them as well. But uh, the wizard, as he is these (laughs) days. He's a goddamn wizard. Uh, We were talking about all kinds of stuff, man, like... Uh, MJF's contract situation, Jericho is very fascinating on. Um, Also, Mike Tyson's stories. Uh, He did not want to talk about MVP, as I'm sure you're all about to hear. (laughs) Just a a very smarmy no comment he gave me. Um, But we did dive into what's his plans for Forbidden Door, you know, working, getting Daniel Garcia in the JAS. Like, it's a really good, wide-ranging 30-minute chat from Chris Jericho. I mean, mean, in 30 minutes, Chris Jericho, you can ask two questions (laughs) and he'll go. So, uh, love it, as always, uh, the legend that is Chris Jericho joining Talk Wrestling. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. 
Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Welcome back to Talk Wrestling here, the only place you can get your wrestling on TalkSport. And an esteemed guest has returned to the airwaves this week. Of course, it is Chris Jericho. And if you're watching this, it might be the last time you see Chris Jericho with hair. Who knows what's going to happen tonight on AEW Road Rager. Chris, how are you, man? I'm good, man. I like the fact you called me esteemed. That makes me feel like a royalty, like I'm like the queen. <laughs> Very esteemed. regal. Very mm. regal, yes. <laughs> Indeed it is. Uh, let's start with tonight, shall we? Yourself and Ortiz going to go at it. Listen, you're one and one. Kevin Nash, his hair had to go. Uh, so no, no, I'm two. I'm two and zero, oh, man. I'm two and zero. Oh. I beat Cavernicula Trace in 1993 in Arena Mexico, and I cut Kevin Nash's hair in 2003. So I'm undefeated in hair versus hair matches, man. So look out. This is like you know Undertaker's casket match. Chris Jericho's hair versus hair. Well, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's 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 exciting because we've had a long story with, with Ortiz, obviously from the inner circle, then with the Jericho appreciation society. And I think this is kind of an intriguing way to continue the build to blood and guts, put the spotlight on a guy who deserves it. And uh, it's one of those perverse attractions. People like seeing other people get their haircut for whatever reason. So um, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be, it's going to be a good show. It's going to be a big show. And um, I'm two and oh, I don't plan on losing my third hair match, but uh, you never know what's going to happen. So when I come to London in a couple of weeks, I could have a Chrome dome. So you never know. So enjoy the hair while you can. <laughs> well, speaking of which, that is the inside the ropes tour. Everyone's going to be lucky enough to hear stories of Chris Jericho do some Q and a, I believe was it Glasgow is it Belfast and London. Yes. In July. Yeah, July 4th is Glasgow, 5th is Belfast, and London is on the 6th. And the cool thing is I've done these tours probably three or four times uh, in the UK, and they always do uh, really well. People really respond to it. They love kind of the fly on the wall, um, you know, setup. The last time I was here, I did it on my own, uh, the same way that Bruce Dickinson just did his spoken word show. This time I'm going to do it with, with Kenny McIntosh the, hosting it. And we're going to do three separate topics, which we thought was cool because I have so much to talk about rather than jumble them around. There's a theme for each night. Glasgow is AEW. Belfast is, is WrestleMania. And London is my biggest matches. And then we'll have a Q&A after that as well. So um, it's kind of a really cool, uh, I guess, theme, like I said, for each mm. show. And we're excited to come back, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. I like that. I'm going to be at the London show. I can't wait to nice. hear about all of those big matches, man. Uh, and we all love Kenny. Who doesn't love Kenny McIntosh? Of course. Yeah, he's done a great job. He's done a great job with this. So, And that's the good thing too, man. Like you coming back to the UK, Fozzie do really well here. Obviously, yeah. you know, you've had you've had many times as well with the WWE over here. Hopefully, man. Do we think we're going to get you in AEW over here soon? Well, I know there was talks about coming over and maybe even doing Craven Cottage where, where Fulham plays. Uh, back, I think, in 2020, back before the world went crazy. So now that we're back on board, I know that the two big cities that we're working on coming to is Toronto, number one, and London, obviously, number two. And I think the London show will be, you know, stadium level, as it should be, because yeah. right now, AEW is the most popular wrestling company in all the UK. Uh, if you look at the ratings that we have on ITV, they're through the roof. And um, I think it's going to be huge when we finally come. So hopefully we'll get some... Uh, some reports on that. In the meantime, like you said, I mean, our, our biggest tour ever with Fozzie was back in November. We sold out every show in the UK. Then we have this big tour coming up with, with inside the ropes in July. Then another big Fozzie tour in November, which is our biggest tour we've ever done. And that shows in London at the O2 forum, I believe on November 14th. So <clears throat> we keep continuing to build on all aspects of Chris Jericho in the UK, which is great because like I said, it's always been an amazing, amazing uh, country in England and all the other countries in the UK for, for me. So I'm always excited to come back. Very excited. Undoubtedly a hotbed is the UK for Chris Jericho. Um, mm. Hopefully, man, like I said, I can't wait for there to be a show. Of it. And I know it means a lot to you. You wanted to get a show into Canada 
and the UK. Yeah. I, I remember hearing you say that. So it would be awesome when you get the times to do that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, not to sound almost sacrilegious, but I think London means more just because, I mean, Canada is always cool and I love Canada, but my connection to Toronto is as a city that I wrestle in. I mean, I'm from Winnipeg, which is from the other side of the country. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, you're going to your going, coming home. It's like Toronto is not my home. You know, Winnipeg is my home. But London has been much more of a city. Like if you say, Chris, what are your favorite cities in the world? I mean, that aren't in the United States. Uh, I mean, Tokyo and London and Sydney, Australia are the top three that come into my mind right out of the gate. So always love coming to London. I had such a great time when I was back there in November. I was there actually for about five days longer than I wanted to be, but it was still an amazing time. And I'm looking forward to coming back, you know, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to go see the stones and Hyde park. Um, I got the big show at the grand. We've got a big press day for Fozzie in London. So there's a lot of stuff going on whenever I'm in town. Uh, and, and rightfully so, because like you mentioned, it's a hotbed for me. It absolutely is. Speaking of a lot going on, I do want to get some thoughts on the whole MJF AW situation that's transpiring right now. As, as a guy, obviously you've worked with him very closely, had a, you know, great friendship slash rivalry that bled into that. What do you make of, you know, people making these reports that he wants to be paid at a certain level? Now, of course, his, he's been a featured player in AEW, and they're saying that the complexities perhaps are that he doesn't want to extend, but he wants to be paid before he extends. Where would you sit on that? Would you think TK should be paying him, or do you think that MJF should extend? Well, after 32 years of being in this business, I've learned something. If it doesn't have anything to do with me, I stay the hell out of it. Um, yeah. I don't really care. Uh, if I was in an angle with a, uh, MJF or something along those lines, or if I was the guy who was in charge of the contracts, then I'd be much more uh, interested in it. But I stay out of it. It's got nothing to do with me. Uh, the only thing I will say is a contract is a contract. And if every athlete in every sport wanted to be paid more now, then what's the point of having a contract? You know what I mean? So um, I guess we'll see what happens, how it plays out. I'm happy with my contract. And I know in a year and a half when my contract is done, we'll have some negotiations to discuss and that's how it goes. So until yeah. then I want to do the best performances that I can put on the best shows have the best stories. Uh, keep the, keep the people that, that are interested in AW happy and excited. And then when that contract is up, uh, I'll be rewarded for it. So um, MJF is 25. He's got a lot to learn. He's not as good as he thinks he is. And, um, you know, like I said, it really has nothing to do with me, but I'm sure he'll probably be back because 18 months is a long time to stay at home. And that's Tony Khan's prerogative. You're under contract. You want to stay at home. You can stay at home and not get paid. And that's what happens. We, we see it happen in other com- companies and that's just how it goes. And if you yeah. didn't you know, expect that, then why did you sign your contract in the first place? I guess the interesting thing as well, like just getting your viewpoint as a man that's worked both companies, I've read all your books, so I've read your thoughts about how you've been used down the years and things like that. Do you think um, MJF would be better off staying in AEW? Do you think he'd be watered down his character in WWE potentially? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He's better off staying in AEW. But once again, you know, you, you don't, don't stick your finger in the light socket. You know, you tell yeah. a little kid that and they're going to do it to see what happens. So I'm not going to tell anybody not to go elsewhere because I did it. I've done it for years. I did it to come to AEW. I walked away from, from WWE. Uh, when I signed my AEW contract, Vince McMahon said, can you get out of it? I'm like, no, you told me to go here. <laughs> you know, same thing happened when I left WCW to come to WWE. Sometimes you got to take a chance. And if you believe in yourself and feel that you're not getting your due, then you got to go elsewhere. So once again, if Max or anybody else, you know, Cody, if they want to go elsewhere, I mean, that's kind of just the way it goes. It's that's pro sports. And that's what pro wrestling is, is pro sports. So it happens in the NFL. It happens in the NHL. It happens in the premier league guys come and go. And that's just, that's just the way it goes. So you got to have the best team possible with people that want to be there. And if you don't want to be there, it's just not going to be conducive to your overall performance anyways. And much to people's, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if chagrin's the right word or maybe surprise, Mm. wrestling is a team. We are a team and and everybody on the team has to perform and want to be swimming in the right direction. And if not, then you got to make some changes. And it happens every single year in, in every company. There's never been a guy bigger than the company from Hulk Hogan to Bret Hart to Shawn Michaels to John Cena to Cody Rhodes. I mean, when guys leave the company, 
you know, who even remembers that Cody was in AEW? It was a pretty big deal when he left, but now it's like, well, we've all moved on and good for him and good for us. And let's get to the next chapter. Speaking of teams, let's talk Jericho Appreciation Society. Arena Anarchy went down a big hit. Obviously, me, yeah. Meltzer ratings, you know, all that stuff that some people five care stars. about. Still, it was five stars, man. Uh, but still, like, it was wildly entertaining to watch, man. Like, it was one of those matches that there was just something happening constantly. And it was just wild to watch. Like, I've, I've listened to your podcast, putting it together and all that stuff. And uh, but, but how was it for you kind of finding that challenge of all these different super talented men, uh, you know, putting that together? How fulfilling was that? It was a blast because once again, like the first elimination chamber or the first money in the bank or the first stadium stampede is the first arena uh, anarchy in the arena match. What, what is it? What do we do? What, what is this thing? You know, you can't go back and watch the last arena anarchy match because there hasn't been one. Mm-hmm. So we kind of had to just do what we always do, which is just show up a couple of days before and just look at this giant empty T-Mobile arena in Los, Dan- in Las Vegas and go like, what are we going to do? <laughs> this is all live. Mm. It's not tape. Stadium stampede. We, we figured out you can tape different segments and make it like a movie. This is not the same thing. And by design, you know, stadium stampede was a great invention for the time in having this, you know, amazing cinematic matches, what we were calling it because there was no people in the arena. So what do you do? Let's put something else on. Now we have people in the arena. We want to feel that energy and feel that vibe. So, we kind of just sketched it out. But when it's live and it's so crazy, you never know. Like you'd like it to be kind of like a domino. Like when this happens, then this happens, then this happens. But it kind of just all blended together. Our production team and our cameramen deserve a medal for, for the amazing performances that they gave uh, yeah. to put that on. But I think overall it was so completely insane with so many cool things happening and so much action that you couldn't help but to love it. And that's why it was so well-received. I mean, I laugh about five stars. It's great to have a five-star match, whatever that means. I've had a lot of five stars mm. that weren't rated five stars, but yeah. the, the, the critics gave it the highest rating because to me, it was the most entertaining match in the show. And that's what I always say. I will stay in wrestling as long as I know that on any given night, I can have the best match on the show. It won't be every night, but it could be any given night. It could be tonight with the hair yeah. match. It could be a double or nothing with the anarchy in the arena. It could be Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho uh, at revolution, which I think was the best match on the show. Like it all depends on what night it is, but on that night, anarchy in the arena, because it was so unique, so special because it was the first one ever. I think people really responded and were really excited about it. And now we've created another kind of tent pole match that we can hang our hats on once a year. Here comes Anarchy in the arena. Oh no, what's it going to be this year? And now mm. we can, you know, change it and move it and do, and do what we have to do. I'm glad you said about the star ratings there as well, because I did a bit of research. And as far as I can tell, he, he gave you the Omega match, right? And this Anarchy, that's what Dave gave you five stars. But for right. me, in your WWE run, I would have... Fully Loaded 2000, The Last Man Standing. I'd have two or three with Shawn Michaels. Uh, the Rock in 2000. I mean, this is just off the top of my head. Rock 2001. You've got a ton in my book. Like, what, what sticks out for well, you that you, you say, hey, I by mean, your perspective? I mean, once again, I mean, that's, that's Dave. He, he, it's yeah. his opinion, right? And I've always said the only person that could tell me if I've had a good match or not is me. And I know, like, you can't tell me that Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho ladder match for the world. 2008. Title, wow. Yeah. 2008, which won the wrestling observer match of the year. That wasn't five stars. Well, if it's match of the year, how is it not five stars or Jericho and Benoit versus triple H and Austin, which would voted the greatest raw match of all time on the 10th anniversary or 20th anniversary. How was that not five stars? Well, to me it was right. Yeah. So, um, you know, like I said, it's like winning an Oscar. There's a lot of performances that you think like, you know, Tom Hanks won an Oscar for Philadelphia, but didn't win for Forrest Gump. And maybe that could be wrong about that, but you know what I mean? And it's like, well, they're both amazing performances. You know, Brad Pitt won for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but didn't win for Inglorious Bastards. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. But yeah. to me, it's like my point being that whether it, whether it's rated five stars or not, it was Anarchy in the Arena was critically acclaimed as the best match on the show. <clears throat> and that's my point. 
Yeah. We hit a home run with that. And any night you have one of those great matches, Shawn Michaels and Jericho at WrestleMania, which was the best match on WrestleMania 19, whether it's four and a half, five, whether it's a 9.5 or a 10, to me, it was still the best match on the show. The, the fans felt that way. The critics felt that way. And most importantly, myself and Sean felt that way. And that's all you mm. can ever go for is what do you feel like? What do your opponents feel like? And that's all that really matters. I'll tell you who I've really enjoyed uh, blossom in front of my eyes is Daniel Garcia. A lot of people right. felt that, you know, they, they thought the natural fit was the Blackpool Combat Club. But in actual fact, this has brought out so much in him. How pleased have you been with just working with him this closely for this amount of time? It seems already we're seeing the returns. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things Like, obviously I have to stay at a certain level in AW. So it means something when you beat me. But my whole mission for the last three years is to build, obviously build my own name, but build other guys too. I mean, we, we, we recreated Cody right out of the gate. We made mocks. Look at mocks now in comparison to when mocks first came in. He's a completely different level superstar. Hmm. MJF, same thing. Orange Cassidy, same thing. Sammy Guevara, one of the missions for that whole year with MJF was to build Sammy, uh, which we did. You know, we recreated Jake Hager to where he's a legit guy now. And Danny Garcia was a guy that I handpicked because he was involved in the story with Menard and Parker and Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. And when they started talking about breaking up Danny from those guys, I thought, why break them up at all? Why not just have them come with me and we'll do a big swerve and start something completely new. And I was excited with Danny Garcia and I was excited with Parker and and, and Menard as well. I mean, daddy magic has become one of the most entertaining characters on our show. Who would have thunk that? So you take the guys that are available. And what I mean by that is I stay away from any championship storylines, stay away from that. Tony Khan has his mindset on who he wants to be the champion. And that's, that's great. So, okay, who's available? Well, it was Orange Cassidy last summer, great MJF. We did a whole year. Then Eddie Kingston. This guy is this, this, that's another guy we've built huge since he started up with Jericho. And I love hearing some critics would be like, oh, Eddie Kingston stuck in the Chris Jericho vortex and get him away. And it's like, you guys are missing the point. Eddie Kingston has become a main event level star that is one of the top angles on the show. And it's anarchy in the arena. And now it's going to be blood and guts. And there's still some other ideas that we have. It's not a Chris Jericho vortex. It's a great storyline. Mm-hmm. And you want Eddie Kingston to be away from Jericho? Great. Well, Eddie can go work with you know uh, uh, Malachi Black and have great matches. But it's not a main event program. That's what we have going on right now. So yes to Danny Garcia. And yes to Daddy Magic. And yes to Eddie Kingston. And yes to Ortiz, who's in a spotlight in the biggest match of his career. You know, I can't remember Ortiz ever having a single match in AEW. And tonight he's got one of the biggest ones that you could have, you know. Um, and it's exciting. It's exciting for me to be involved with these guys because not only am I raising them up, they're raising me up. You know, like I said, I never wanted to wrestle Matt Hardy or Christian or, you know, when I went back to WWE in 2016, I was working Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins and 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 uh, Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns. I didn't want to go back and work with Kane or Triple H or Sean. We've done that. We've seen mm-hmm. it. Let's work with some new guys, which raises the new guys up to my level and raises me up to their level. So it's all beneficial. And that's one of the main things I want to do in AEW. And that's what I'll continue to do. This is not a nostalgia act. It's a brand new evolving Chris Jericho, which is beneficial to me, to the, my opponents and to AEW as a company. I have to ask before we move along here, obviously a lot in the news this week uh, about yourself and MVP, which has come to light. And I know you've already passed comment on this, right? You've, you said to fight for what you had to say. Um, is, is there any chance you two could maybe reconcile your differences? It seems to have been bubbling a while or have you just kind of thought, you know what, it, it seems past the point of return. No comment. That's a very fair answer. Uh, I do want to talk, though, about Forbidden Door, which is approaching. Now, last time we spoke, you actually mentioned Minoru Suzuki. You mentioned Will Ospreay. He's got a singles match tonight as well, which is re- really right. cool to see in AEW. Um, you're talking about yourself and Kenny as a tag team. Of course, that's not something we can see just yet. Um, what ideas have you got for the show, man? Because, again, you've already made your name in Japan. I'm sure there's going to be great interest. Well, I mean, the thing is, I, I headlined three Tokyo Domes in a row with Kenny in 18, Naito in 19, and, and Tanahashi in 20. So 
there was a lot of revenue and a lot of money and a lot of tickets sold with Chris Jericho in New Japan Pro Wrestling and a lot of momentum. And then, of course, obviously, the pandemic happened, which shut everything down. I think there's still a lot more money to be made in Japan. Yeah, I think Suzuki and Jericho in Japan means a lot more than Suzuki and Jericho does in the States because Minoru has worked a lot of guys. You know, I think Minoru worked with like, I don't know, Joey Janela or whatever in the States, which is great. It's not a Tokyo Dome level match. Oh, yeah. So there's a couple matches I want to keep for Japan. Will Ospreay is another one. Um, John Moxley and Tanahashi, I think, is a huge main event. It's as big as it gets, maybe even bigger than Punk and Tanahashi because Mox has worked in New Japan. You know, I think there's a real fighting spirit connection there. Um, so for me to be on Forbidden Door, the issue for me is not just the matches that I could do at the Tokyo Dome, but the fact that we have blood and guts three days later in Detroit. Mm. So anything that I do on the Forbidden Door has to relate to Blood and Guts. It has to be the next step in the story to the promotion of Blood and Guts or else it's counterproductive. So if you look, we have the hair versus hair match tonight and whatever happens, you know, tonight, then we get the 22nd next week in Milwaukee. We're going to have to promote both the Forbidden Door and Blood and Guts because it's the go home show for both. Mm. So for me on the Forbidden Door, I have to do something that continues the momentum to blood and guts. If I just, you know, randomly face Minoru Suzuki, will we tear the house down? Of course. But how does that connect to what we're doing just three days later? So usually I would not want to be on the show in any sort of capacity other than a single match, main event, single match. But I think this show is an exception because we have to do something that fits, that leads to, for, uh, leads to blood and guts. So I'm sure we'll be doing something, uh, but I'm also sure it'll be the next step in the ladder to get to this giant match that we have in Detroit on June 29th on Dynamite. You know, when I, when I spoke to my editor earlier and I said, I'm going to be speaking to Chris Jericho, and he goes, hey, for some reason, the first thing he said was, Mike Tyson. Oh, I love when Jericho and Mike Tyson together. Um, <laughs> I'm, obviously, a couple of years ago, we had that where he, he turned up in AW. Uh, was there ever, like, did Mike show an interest in having a match or anything like that. Yeah, he did. We, we, we worked, we worked on it for a while. The initial idea was for there to be a Jericho Mike Tyson match. Um, he was about to do that boxing exhibition with Roy Jones, Jr. Sure. Roy Jones, Jr. Um, so that was kind of getting in the way of the time timing that we had. Cause you remember, I think he showed up in May of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. 20, I think. Um, and that was in front of no people, you know, once again, but it was great to have him. And then he came as an, an enforcer kind of six months later when I worked with Dax Harwood, he was kind of the ringside enforcer. So he came back then, you know, and the time had switched. We had gone from being heels to being baby faces. And I think we were really trying to work on it that summer of 2020, but he was getting ready for that fight that he had with Roy Jones. And we just couldn't make it work. We were thinking even maybe a street fight or a cinematic match, anything we could do. Now, Mike, by the wow. way, I loved when people were like, well, you should have Mike do this. And Mike should have knocked out MJF and Mike should have done this. And it's like, you guys don't understand. <laughs> Mike does whatever the hell Mike wants. And you can yeah. tell him this is the idea we have. And I know this, I've been in the ring with him four or five times now. He will do whatever he wants to do. And in that May, 2020 altercation, if you remember, he came to the ring with like six guys. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. We did not rehearse six guys. I didn't even know who these six guys were. And there was one idiot guy with like, he's called the Gooch or the, the, the Gaunch or something. And he had makeup <laughs> yeah. on his face. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And he's in my face jumping down. When the whole melee started, I punched him right in the face. I knocked him right down. <laughs> and afterwards, Luther and I, uh, we were walking down the hallway and, and, and we smelt this like huge cloud of weed. And so I was like with, with, with Luther, I was like, dude, let's go and knock, knock on the door. We go inside. It's actually, we didn't knock on the door. Tyson's guys came up and said, come on in. So we go inside this giant suite and this place is foggy with clouds <laughs> of smoke. And Lenny and I don't smoke weed, but we walked in there. We were instantly secondhand high. And uh, we go in there and Mike is fucking howling about how I knocked out his friend. He's like, you hit the goose right in the face. You knocked him right down. I was like, you saw it? He goes, I saw it. I was like, I was hoping you wouldn't be back. I loved it. It was great. It was great. And Mike just loves wrestling so much. And he loved being a part of it. He was so respectful. I'll tell you what, it's Mike Tyson. Everybody 
everybody in the locker room wanted a picture with Mike Tyson. Yeah. And to his credit, he took pictures with everybody. So he uh, he's an honorary member of the inner circle, along with <laughs> Elvis, the only two honorary members. <laughs> And that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty Hall of Fame worthy uh, distinction. So yeah, I would we would love to have a, a match with Mike. Uh, it just depends on if he's available. And he was actually into it for a while, and we just couldn't make it work out. And then you know things move on. You got to keep the stories going. So he's always welcome on our show at any point in time. Uh, I think he only wants to be involved with me though. So. Uh, I'm only one of the only guys that can kind of corral him. <laughs> Reach out, Chris. Reach out. I want to see it. We'll try. We'll try. <laughs> well, speaking of things I want to see, Chris Jericho back in London. Man, I can't wait. As I say, I'm going to be there. He's got three-day tour with Inside the Ropes coming this July. Make sure you get your tickets. If you haven't already, you definitely should. I'm not sure. Are the VIP packages gone yet? I'm not, I wouldn't There's be surprised. There's still some left. They just opened up a few more because the, the, the everyone loves the VIP experience, which is great, but they go so fast. Mm. So I know, I know in London we sold out of the VIP piece so we open up some more there was another package that kenny had set up which is the super duper special package you open up some more of those it's itrtix.com and we're gonna have a great time man as you can tell just from talking with you i think we've been talking for 30 minutes already and we yeah. told five awesome stories that you probably haven't heard before and there's about <laughs> a thousand more where those came from so uh i'm looking forward to because like i said the first one uh, the first ones that i did were more uh, I saw Bruce Dickinson's stand-up show, which is great. It's him. This is different. This is interacting with Kenny, which is what Kenny, uh, it's his forte. So I was like, all right, dude, well, last time you did it my way, this time let's do it your way. Either way, the stories are great. The interactions are amazing. And uh, like I said, London's one of my favorite cities in the world. I'm excited to come back and hang out. My favorite hotel in the world, the Hard Rock London. I'll be there hanging out. and It's going to be a great week. Kenny knew where to put you up. He knew. Uh Awesome, Chris. Thank you very much for joining <laughs> us here on Talk Sport. Imagine, remember that, guys, Inside the Ropes, that tour with Jericho is coming. And make sure you check out Dynamite tonight and in the coming weeks where Jericho is going to be in action. Chris Jericho, thank you very much. Appreciate it, Alex. Cheers, man. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Chris Jericho with our very own Alex McCarthy. Talk wrestling. Keep an eye out on the socials. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Keep what, looking at all the other great content that's happening through the Fight Night feed as well. If you just come here for talk wrestling, the boxing coverage is second to none. The UFC uh-huh. coverage is excellent as well across the Talk Sport network. Uh, so keep checking that out. Uh, we'd love to hear from you on social as well. Let us know if there's anything you'd like to cover, anyone you'd like us to interview, anything you'd like us to do around it. And do keep an eye out. We're hoping in the next couple of weeks we'll have a nice juicy announcement for you as well otherwise in the meantime thank you so much for listening this has been talk wrestling on your fight night feed from talk sport my business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments then tap to pay on iphone and stripe came along and changed everything with tap to pay on iphone and stripe i streamlined my payment process effortlessly now i can accept in-person contactless payments right from my iphone No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.